generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Let us go to the book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Long reading, but I'll read quickly alone from verse 1. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to, be, to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were off the way, by the way, in the early church, Christianity was not called Christianity. Christianity is not even the name, the official name of what we do. The official name of what we are is the body of Christ. In other words, we are not Christish. We are in Christ or the way we are of the way or we are children of the light or we are children of the kingdom or we are a kingdom family. So they were called the way. This, so people who were saved in the early church were called people who are found the way or people who were on the way or people who were off the way. So he says that he took letters, whether they be men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Paul, who at this time was Saul, was essentially persecuting the church, fighting against the church. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly... A light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> Isn't that an irony? He had never met him, but he acknowledged him as Lord. Do you know why? When Jesus introduces himself, you will express his lordship. Because this is a guy, don't forget, the Lord is not a spiritual word. Are you aware of that? Lord is master, like landlord. How many of you know that you can have a landlord who's of a different religious persuasion? So that Lord there does not mean that he's a Christian or that he's a believer in Christ. That Lord there is potentate, the person who holds power or authority. So even though Paul had been fighting against the cause of Christ, when Christ introduces himself to Saul, Saul said, who are you, Lord? I am trusting God that this morning you will have a fresh revelation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just the religious accolades that you give to him, but his Lordship, the potentate, the power, the supreme authority, his sovereignty over everything that has to do with you. Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the gourds or the pricks, the thorns, hard thorns. So he, trembling and astonished, astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is the question that every believer must ask. And as you take your two or three day or five day retreat, please write this question down. If you're on WhatsApp, write it down on the group. If you're on YouTube or uh, Facebook, write it down. Lord, what do you want me to do? You will be amazed at how much more efficient your life is going to be when you stop telling God all the amazing things you want to do and you just ask the simple question, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
What do you want me to do? It is so important. There are no, see, we can have 500 ideas. So, for example, when you, you saw the beauty of the Carol Night, the Carol Night did not just happen. The Carol Night didn't just happen. We set the date months ago. I told Cooper, we want this number of songs. I told Enoch, we want this presentation. Your time limit is 12 to 15 minutes. I told LT, this is what the exhibition is going to be. There is direction. And so not everybody was bringing different ideas. Everybody was bringing the expression of divine wisdom based on the direction. Why? God is not building many things on earth. He's building one thing. He's not building many things. He said, upon this rock I will build what? My church. So don't forget stones and sequence. He has the picture. So when it sets leadership or authority or teams or tribes or clans, it is for this thing. What is it? He trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And many of us, we need to get to this level. Can I just tell you who Paul was? Paul was not a non-entity. He wasn't a layabout. He wasn't somebody trying to make ends meet. He wasn't somebody who was not influential, who was not intellectual, who was not smart. Paul was extremely talented, very gifted, articulate, convincing, persuasive. He was a professor of law. He was the kind of person that could argue. He argued so well even in his writing 2,000 years later. How many of you are still sometimes mind blown by reading the epistles of Paul? So he was that person. The construct of his mental disposition was enigmatic. In fact, Peter says that this guy, when he speaks, my goodness, his writings are sometimes hard to wrestle with. In all the words, his intellectual perspicuity was higher than that of many people there. But at some point in your life, for your life to really count, you have to lay down your own ideas and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because the value of my life is not me doing everything I want to do or I can do. But the true evaluation of my life is predicated on what he wants me to do and how well I did it. And it's very tough in a generation driven by activity. In a generation where visibility is confused for value. In a generation where social media attraction is the major attraction. In a generation where it feels that you have to be in the lights for you to prove that you are light. It's so easy. But Paul says, what do you want me to do? Over the next 10 days, this, takes, this is a question you must ask God. What do you want me to do? You know what this means? This posture means I'm willing to stop doing anything that you no longer approve. All the praise, all the praise, all the praise. You see that now? Then the Lord said to him, it's amazing. Please, can I, can I just tell you something? If you ask the Lord, he will speak to you. Who was God speaking to here? Who was he speaking to? Paul, had he been reading his Bible? The Torah, right? Had he, been, had he been praying and fasting for the sake of Christ? Had he been like very faithful with his arms and giving and all of that? Is that recorded that we know of? Did God speak to him? So why do you think God will not speak to you? The reason you have not heard God is that you're not paying enough attention. The reason you have not heard God is that it's been a long time since you had 15 minutes devotion without checking Instagram. Or if you can say amen, say ouch. 
<laughs> I'm telling you. Because divine conversations can get lost in moments of distraction. And sometimes the things that you think are the things that consolidate your attention are the things rubbing you off your attention. So one of the things that you should try to do this week is, can there be a couple of minutes or hours in a day where your, your phone is on airplane mode because you need to be in God's airplane mode? This guy, Cooper, he is not like in a 17-day fast. But once God gets his attention and he engages God, by the way, the lifetime value of your conversation is directly proportional to the quality of attention you devote to that conversation. The lifetime value of a God conversation, the lifetime value of a God conversation is directly proportional to the quality of attention you devote to that conversation. Because some of us, God gave us introduction, we thought we had chapter 10. Because if you had just heard, Lord, Lord, who are you? And it stopped there. What, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am Jesus, right? What's the next thing? He trembled and then he said, Lord, do you know that if Jesus had just said, I'm Jesus. And then Paul said, oh, good, nice to meet you, I'm Paul. What would have happened? Tell me. Nothing. And many of us, we are stuck at a punctuation in our divine conversations. Because God's revelation is often an invitation for the next phase of the conversation. Are you understanding this now? It's like you walk into a boutique or a shop, supermarket, let's say a boutique really. And you're walking around and walking around. You know sometimes you don't plan to buy anything. But if somebody engages you in a conversation, if the storekeeper, hello madam, may I help you in any way? Do you have a particular color in mind? Do you know all of a sudden that conversation begins to shape your attitude? Are you aware of that? What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Please listen very carefully. Who is Paul speaking to? Shout it. Jesus the Lord. Paul is speaking to Jesus, right? <laughs> Does Jesus know everything? Can Jesus tell Paul everything? So how come Jesus is not telling Paul everything but is now telling Paul to go to somebody else to tell him because there are things that God can tell you but he will choose to only tell you through others <laughs> because what guarantees your growth in God watch this is not just your revelation of God it is also your relationships with men that God has sent to your life. 
Because God uses imperfect men to perfect his purposes in other imperfect men. I could preach up a storm, but I didn't come to preach this morning. I'm trying hard not to preach because I don't want to be so excited that you are you understanding what I'm saying. That's why if you look through your life, the trajectory of your life, some of the most impactful sorry, some of the most impactful people in your life also upset you or irritated you or annoyed you, and you were always in the dichotomy that oh this guy did this but I cannot take the fact that God used this person in my life can I can I preach a little bit I, I've been trying to conserve my energy till the 2021 but can I just preach a little bit this morning that God does not use perfect men he uses the spirits of just men made perfect You might wonder why this is important for soul winning. Because one of the greatest lies the enemy has told you about winning souls is that you are not good enough to share the gospel. But before we talk about you, let's talk about people that God used to raise you in the gospel. To pray for you, lead you, teach you, mentor you, disciple you. Many of them, some of you at some point, you saw their imperfection. I'm not talking about obsessive sin. I'm not talking about carnality. I'm not talking about, you know, people who do rubbish in the name of the Lord. <laughs> no. I'm talking about the flaws or the gaps. Because if there are no gaps in our lives, then where is the room for the operation of grace? The gaps in the lives of humans are the access points for the grace of Jesus Christ. And the higher you go, the wider the gaps can grow, except you grow in the grace that closes the gaps. Come on. That's why when Paul writes to the churches, he says, grace and what? Peace be what? Did he say added? That means as you grow in God, one of the things that must grow in your life is grace and peace. Why do you need grace to grow? Because the afflictions of men, the attacks of men, the criticism of men, the flaws of your frailties and the flesh, certain things on the inside of you that you never knew would ever come out until you came into a level of financial prosperity. Appetites, longings, and desires that you never knew pre-existed until your salary button moved from 100,000 to 500,000. And all of a sudden, temptations that never floated in the purview of your <laughs> analysis became apparent. Are you understanding this? And the peace, because the enemy is going to attack the one who has asked this question, what do you want me to do? Somebody say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let's practice. Can you raise your hands, close your eyes, raise your face to heaven and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Somebody needs to write that down somewhere. Someone needs to make it their wallpaper this week. I want to get tactical. Someone needs to write it on a poster and put it on the mirror. It's so amazing that it's possible for someone to walk the face of the earth for 80 years. But according to heaven's archives and records, this man lived for 10 years old. 10 years. Because 10 years were the actual evidential empir empirical <laughs> weight of his life in the landscape or assessment of divinity. Is somebody getting this now? Are you understanding this? So you're like, hey, now I'll 
me that I'm 27 now, so I might just be seven months in the account of God. Good ladies, you're hearing it now. This man had what you call him, possibly a master's degree, actually, a doctorate degree in law. For you to have attained the rank that Paul attained as a Pharisee, you must have been able to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Can you imagine? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, some of you, the first five memory verses of Master Life, you cannot remember. No shade. But this guy, first five books with all that stuff. In fact, this guy was so knowledgeable that when he stood before, I believe it was King Agrippa, he said, too much learning has made ye mad. As in Paul, meadow. That's in the Bible, right? He said, this guy. Another one says, you almost convinced me. Say, you are so rich in words, so persuasive. That I've seen philosophers in my courts, but this guy, your mouth is too sweet. <laughs> you see that now. But he said, what do you want me to do? We cannot be effective in sharing the gift of the gospel, the gift of eternal life and salvation, until we come to a place where we are like, God, what do you want me to do? All right, please give me the next verse. So let's go into the city. You'll be told what to do. Do not shy away from instructions that will come through men in the season because many of the things that God is going to say to you will come through the instructions of men. So God could tell Paul directly, but God said to Paul, go into the city and a man is going to tell you what to do. Sometimes God does not give you the full details himself because he wants you to learn subjection to humans. He wants you to learn. There's a reason Jesus, when he came in the flesh, Emmanuel, he was carried by men whom he made. For by him were all things made. Nothing was made that was made without him. So the very so, so if there were some nasty people that took care of Jesus, and maybe once in a while there might be that naughty nephew or cousin in the family carrying the baby, and baby's crying, pinching the baby. Can you imagine? Someone must have pinched Jesus. And if some of us were Jesus, <laughs> the kind of twist will give your fingers. <laughs> the fingers will never. <laughs> but he was subjected to that. How many of you did naughty things to your baby cousin sometimes? Pinch, twist their ear. Pinch, you see? All the about confessing. But, <laughs> right? I need to run. Is somebody understanding what we're teaching this morning? Yes, are you getting spiritual value this morning? Yes, oh, let me know if you are. Yes, All right. I don't think I sent the scriptures to the media team, so uh, I, I'm not sure I did think I forgot it. John, check, check your... Uh, just signal once you get it now, because I want to go into some other things. So the man who journeyed with him stood what? Speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing. Listen, please. On this journey that we're going into, this whole place of soul winning, people will hear the voices, but not everybody will see the manifestations. 
And it's okay for you to begin to burn with the rhythm of a voice that people may have heard but they are not responding to. In other words, what I'm about to say is that one of the major things that would distinguish you in 2021, one of the major things is your combatant disposition towards soul winning. Now, it may not be a very like, attractive or popular concept, particularly in the modern church, where there's a lot of emphasis on lifestyle evangelism. But one of the things I want to do this month and then next month, uh, January, we're going to do a lot of foundations. We're going to do a lot of why. Why do we praise and worship? Why do we give offerings, tithes, alms, prophets' offerings? Why do we do that? One of the things we want to do in January is to lay solid foundations. Why soul winning? Why do we pray? Why? Why do we gather in worship? Do you know why? Because a lot of people have had their foundations disrupted in 2020. Who knows that? And so even believers who, are, who have survived, they have survived in the rubble. Trudged through. So if I was to ask certain questions right now, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but let's start with a couple of questions. Write it down. This year, were you faithful to God in your giving? You, were you faithful? Would you call your disposition towards God and giving faithful? Oh, come on, bring out your pen, notepad, just write it. Your assessment. Were you faithful? Number two assessment, which is the major one I need for this service. Can I really look through this year and ask myself the question? And I'm as, as I'm asking you, because you know I've been in reflection as well, I'm asking myself, and I have some of my own questions. By the way, one of the things you should do when you're retreating or recessing is ask questions. Ask yourself, Jade, the way you're going. Show my Jade, bye. No shade, no shade, no shade. Jade means step out or you know come out and jade solar means to step into wealth be born into wealth and plenty so i was just playing off her name which means that the way you are going are you really going to step out number two is can we ask ourselves the question how many souls did i personally win someone say yeah that year ought to be louder that year ought to be louder how many souls did you actually win? Because one of the things we also want to trust the Lord to do next year is that we want to have relationship goals. And when I say relationship goals, I'm not talking about PDMs and LT, Tectolanus and, and Shia Bezel and GV and Dun Dun. Relationship goals, the idea just, oh my God, 20 years married, how oh, sweet family are. <laughs> My name is King Solomon. I'm looking for my queen of Sheba. <laughs> Receive your relationships. You, you know I prophesied that this year. And I'm still prophesying for next year. So we're going to have that. Amen. We will get married. A lot of us. More of us. <laughs> Not those ones who are already married. <laughs> but we also want to have a relationship with God goes. So I am prayerfully sick in the face of God. God, how many souls have you allocated to kings for 2021? And I'm not talking about attendance by rotational acquisition of believers. Part of why I've been musing, I've been quiet, is I'm assessing everything. That when I get the reports for every service, we get the reports for attendance, we get the reports for offerings. 
we also get the report salvation decisions and we don't have so many salvation decisions that means that more often than not you will get results in the areas where you're more intentional so ask yourself how many souls with all this my dramatic preaching my charismatic dressing my swagalicious presentation pink lipstick lip balm who am i embalming with my balm With this, my fineness, this prettiness that I've heard over and over, you are fine, you are hot. But is the heat I'm radiating extricating you from the heat of hell? Is it bringing them out of the fire? Or am I just hot for what? How many souls? And some of us are itinerant ministers in preaching and, and music. When we go and we preach, souls are saved, miracles and healings, great stuff. But how many souls have been saved? Because when God speaks to Paul, he gives him a set of instructions. I'm hoping I'll be able to get to that. He gives him a set of instructions, Acts 26 verse 18. And it tells him, this is what I want to do. Let's go to Acts 26 verse 18 real quick so I can show you that. Have you written it down? How many of you are a little concerned now that you've written a number of souls you can trace to you? Raise your hand. You're, you're just sort of concerned. No, let's do it. I told you, simple. Let's do it. And you know, it's easy how we just say, ah, evangelism, God's kingdom come, one billion souls. It's a figure until it becomes a responsibility. Shout it with me. It's a figure until it becomes our responsibility. Shout it louder. It's just a figure until it becomes a responsibility. So Paul is narrating his experience and encounter with the Lord Jesus and it speaks in Acts 26 verse 16. This is Jesus speaking to him. But rise and stand on your feet. Lord, like somebody said, rise from that complacency. Do you know that Paul just had an encounter, revelation with Jesus Christ? But do you know that you can have a revelation and not rise up to it? Do you know that you could actually become addicted to basking in the light of God you have, that you don't share it? Are you aware of that? That's even part of why we're going to remodel quite a number of things. So we thank God for the reviews that we do Sunday evening. And I just have to celebrate uh, Oge. I have to celebrate uh, Shikemi. I have to celebrate Uchai. And every other person who steps in fantastic. Fantastic. It is great that we do that. But in the new year, we're likely going to modify how we do it. Because if we review, we have a powerful service here. Second service, and at some point next year, we're going to start a third service, right? Right? I don't want to say so much about next year. Let me just keep it. Right? And then we now have fourth service, and we're still excited. It's same old, same old. All of us are dancing over the same revelation we've heard. Are you understanding? So next year... I'm not saying this is exactly what will happen, but one of the things that will happen is that some of the Sunday nights will not be for the chat in there. Some of the Sunday nights are going to be for strategic evangelism. So that the things that we are dancing over, oh, P. Dam's amazing revelation. Ah, never saw it like that. Yes! But somebody has not even seen half of all those things you've seen for the last 52 Sundays I've been preaching. That I've preached 51 Sundays this year. 
My question is, how many souls have been saved through your charismatic preaching? That this must have a weight, a level of sobriety in your heart. That there is a score sheet that heaven is looking at. And I can tell you, there are many things on that score sheet. But soul winning and discipleship, they score heavy marks. Attitude is there. Consistency is there. Faithfulness is there. Giving is there. Raising others is there. Generational impact is there. Doing good is there. But soul winning and discipleship are so integral, central, essential. So if I'm an usher, how am I adding to an atmosphere or to the atmosphere to make that work? And in my own personal life. So I want us to go forensic and look at our own personal lives and look at that. So he says, rise. Somebody say rise. rise. Somebody shout aloud, rise. rise. Isn't that antithetical that I'm sitting when I said you should rise? We're glad to have a glass table back. Thank you to all the facilitators of restoration. But we need to sanctify and clean it. Separate it unto the Lord. <laughs> right. Rise! And then he didn't say stand on your church's feet, Paul. Because you know one of the things that happens, and I'll give you some assumptions that we make, is that when it comes to salvation and evangelism and soul winning, do you know what happens? We hide under congregational effort. We are a soul winning ministry. <laughs> One billion souls. You see there. I am the cloth on the Statue of Liberty. See on, on the king's graffiti, this is me. Me, I'm not really I'm not really here. I'm not part of the king, so this is me. I'm just a jot. <laughs> a little dot. In fact, I'm the pink here. When we say one billion souls, where are they going to come from? He says, stand on your own feet. Do you know why he's saying stand on your own feet? Because there are places your feet will get to that mine will not get to. Are you understanding, Kuga? Kuga, you have a circle, you have a team, you have a tribe, you have a community that will always hear you say, oh, Pete Adams is my pastor, I love him, he's charismatic, he's great, he's anointed and all, but they will never understand the gospel through my mouth the way they will understand it through your mouth because you know their nuances, their likes, their preferences, their texture, their timing, their template, their struggles, their history, their disposition, their orientation, their proclivities, their weaknesses, you know that. And so it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation it is not the charisma of the preacher that changes lives it is the power of God coming through the gospel but God says I need your own feet to move into a place and when Jesus speaks to Paul he says why do you persecute me who was Paul persecuting Paul was persecuting the body so the body of Christ is one with Christ so when it says get on your feet he's saying I want to use your own body to enter into certain places 
places are you understanding i want to use your body to enter into certain places because they will not be saved except they hear and they will not hear except the gospel is preached and the gospel will not be preached until a preacher is sent well one of my assignments this morning is to come and remind you of the old responsibility that god has not upgraded the curriculum of evangelism that god has not transcended from the good old sharing the gospel that god says it does not matter whether you have theology or you just have neology that if you have your heart with god and you have a conviction that christ is the savior of the world then you don't need any <laughs> you don't need any kind of corporate fund you don't need any go fund me account go into all the world and preach the gospel he said rise some of you are still seated he said rise some of you are still hey he said stand on your feet some of you are still there i want to low leg somebody and say share this gift share this gift Rosemond, you're still sitting. Japheth, you're still sitting. Handsome man in the white shirt, you're still sitting. Help me go to three people. Low let them, jab them a little bit. And say, share this gift. Oh. I, yeah. Why? He said, why? Please be seated. For I have appeared to you for what? For what? Did he say these purposes? Oh, mama. <laughs> some of y'all got it. Some of y'all just getting it. Ah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ale coco cosat yeres. This purpose. So if you're in a place, say, God, what's the purpose for my life? Start with this one. A generation that is so distracted, looking for the purpose for their lives to the point where they think the purpose for their lives is searching for the purpose for their lives. How about model the supreme purpose? How about starting off with that? Because I understand there are two dimensions of purpose. And I have to study and study and pray and dig and ask questions. There's universal purpose and there's unique purpose. Now the interesting thing is a lot of people are obsessed with their unique purpose. And I, I touched on this when I spoke about perfect for your purpose two years ago or so. Stones and sequence and all of that. But see the thing is your unique purpose will never be antithetical to your universal purpose. And universal purpose is to know God and make him known. To relate with God, to reflect his glory, to represent his kingdom. Another way to put it, three R's, right? Union, communion, dominion. Another way to put it. That's your purpose. But most of us want to know, God, you want me to write 350 books? It's my purpose to be an author. Paul is the most read writer in recorded history. The most frequently read writer. I never see him with a goal list of I want to write a hundred books. He wrote those things as a result of him fulfilling what? This purpose. 
In other words, the quality of the expression of your unique purpose is hinged on your faithfulness to your universal purpose. I don't even know why I'm teaching this much this morning. I don't want, I didn't plan to teach this much. I wanted to give you points because I'm on holiday. Point one, do like this. Point two, point and kill. One, two, buckle my shoes. Three, four, pick up sticks. Is that it enough? One, two, buckle my shoes. Three, four, do what? Knock on the door. Five, six, seven, eight. Keep <laughs> that very faithful in nursery school. You're yeah, still teaching. Nine, ten, a big fat hand. Doesn't make sense. All right. I need to wind this down. <laughs> All right. So he says, for this purpose, to make you, so this is the purpose, to make you a minister and a witness or a proof producer. And I'm trusting God that this morning, the proof of the gospel will come alive in your body. What I mean by that is if you came with pain and we thank the Lord over the last three, four Sundays, we've literally had so many testimonies of pain disappearing. It is part of the proof of the gospel. Healing is part of the proof of the gospel. So I proclaim even as we proclaim this in this teaching, if there is any area of your body, your nostrils, your mind, your, your physical structure, your ankles, your elbows, your pancreas, your liver, your womb, your eyes, your brain, whatever part of you needs the healing power of God. I speak for right now and I proclaim that the healing streams of Zion are flowing all through your body and that you are healed completely in the name of Jesus. So receive your healing as well. Some of you just did now. It's part of the proofs of the gospel. To make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. In other words, the revelation you have is not conclusive, it's progressive. You see that now. The revelation you have is not conclusive, it's progressive. It's a journey with God. And it's a rise and stand based on what you have and give me the, the verse 16 again. Come in. Make you a minister and a witness but of the things which you have seen, things which I reveal to you. Next verse next verse I will deliver you from the Jewish people so he's already telling them they're going to attack you by the way be battle ready for 2021 I don't want to scare people but you need your strength for I'm telling you hear this from your prophet you need your strength for 2021 there are things I'm seeing in the spirit 2021 is not a walk in the park it's not going to be too different from 2020 it's will be different but it's still for fighters. And the fight is going to transcend from just the COVID scare. It's going to become more celestial than terrestrial. So they've caused disruptions on the earth using media and all kinds of agitations. And God was involved in many parts of that, many parts. But there's a demonic hijack that wants to democratize fear and move people into a new wave of apostasy and humanism and world control. <laughs> so you're gonna need to be a fighter. You need your, you need you need to be battle ready. 
And that's why I'm saying recess, rest, reflect, pray. The angel came and said to Elijah, arise and eat for the journey is what? How many times? On two, on two occasions. So feel, refill the next 10 days. Find a way. Find a way. Okay. I will deliver you from the, from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Okay? Verse 18. What are you going to do? To open their eyes. So anybody who has not received the gift of light is what? Blind. How many blind billionaires do we have? And what do you do with resource when you are blind? You waste it. What else do you do? Oluwashon, what else do you do? Baby girl, what else do you do? Pardon? Dormant. You found the wrong things. Blind. He said, You are now who's going to open their eyes? Who's going to open their eyes? Who's going to open their eyes? You have been authorized. So if you say, Wow, politicians so blind. Well, there's so many blind people in my family. I can't believe it that people can see them. Who is to open their eyes? Oh, some of you are still not taking responsibility. Shout it, please. To open their eyes in order, order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Look at this. So he's saying that the power of Satan is darkness. And that, that darkness is the environment in which their blindness operates. So they are blind, they are in darkness, and because darkness is the domain of the enemy, what happens? They are within the purview and the supervision and oppression and harassment of hell, of the devil. He says that you are the one to open their eyes so that they may then do what? Receive, give me the next line, forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me so he says my purpose is for you to be a minister and a witness your universal purpose no god make him known your unique purpose to make the power and the wisdom of god known within the peculiarity the uniqueness of the assemblage the collection the construct the constituent of your gifts your personality your talents that's your unique purpose but is saying that whatever that thing is it must be connected to this whether you are rapping by the way can we celebrate john who released the new song this week love 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 the song how many of you have downloaded it yet? download yeah beautiful song lyrically strong it's a, it's a vibe i was like this is a wave song like we didn't have waves this year but we're making waves in the spirit please based on this teaching so far who's going to preach the gospel this this week you maybe you don't know how yet but you're making up your mind this is my assignment raise your hand digitally physically on the street i'll give you some some tips because i want us to end this year by gifting jesus the gift of souls 
So when you receive that bag of rice or that perfume that somebody's going to give you or that bucket of oil or that chicken, right? Or this, that. And by the way, this is a good time to give our gifts to two major categories of people in your life. People that have been a major blessing to you. A major blessing to you. Number two, people that are struggling, that, are, that don't have. Find one way or the other. Some of you already did that yesterday with that. But if God still gives you some more resources, just be intentional. Next year, we're go, I mean, yeah, next month, we're going to talk about why do we give. A lot of people don't know why we give. Some people give, think we give so that we'll not be ashamed during the offering time. <laughs> Why should you give to a pastor? Why should you give to your parents? Why should you give to strangers? There are reasons. Now, one of the things I want us to do is to make up our minds. This week, it does not matter how many times I've not preached the gospel throughout this year. I don't think that there is anybody in this room that will confidently tell me that it can trace up to 20 souls receiving or making a gospel decision through their lives this year. And if we can't have any individual who has up to 20 souls in a house of about 250, 300 people who call themselves members of this house or at least regular attendees of the house, that means that in a whole year, we're not sure that we've won up to 200 or 300 souls as a house. And so we now have to ask the question, when I preach so passionately and they sing so beautifully and you organize so decently and we dress up so prim and properly and some of you travel for an hour, some of you two hours to be here. Are we doing so many good things and leaving out the most important good thing that will make all the other good things as good as they ought to be? Are we still together on this? All right. Luke 19 verse 10. Luke 19 verse 10. And I'll give us why don't we preach so that we can see ourselves. Luke 19 verse 10. I'm seriously thinking about it. Second service. I'm trusting the Lord to help us and help me so we can take. How many of you think that we should take some questions in second service? Do you think questions will help? Okay, so I can edit, edit, edit. Luke 19. <laughs> Luke 19. Verse 10. Uh, of verse 9. Zacchaeus is the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you remember? Zacchaeus was a very little man. A very little man. He didn't go to Bible Sunday school. The sycamore tree for the Lord. He wanted to see the Lord was passing by. And Zacchaeus climbed to the tree. Some of you, you didn't know. Uh, what did you guys learn in your secondary school? Or Bible, what's it called? Uh, no, Sunday school. You guys know Zacchaeus was a very little man. Diesel, John, do you know Zacchaeus is a very little man? T-Bange, you know it. <laughs> okay, but you know this. <laughs> I need to run. <laughs> then, okay, you know the story. This 
This guy was a tax collector, big boy, you know, like IRS, kind of, you know, they used to do a lot of shady stuff for the government. Did I just say IRS does the shady stuff? God, God, I'm sorry, government, I'm sorry. I don't, I, that's not what I meant. Like, <laughs> I think I need a bit of water, please. All right. So anyway, this guy has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus comes looking for him. And verse 9, Jesus said to him, I'll tell the story better, maybe in second service some other Sunday. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Now, what the IRS guys, what some IRS guys do, or LRS guys do, is that they'll make deals with rich people and say, instead of you paying maybe 15 million for your tax, give us 3.5 million, we'll help you arrange paper or whatever, and then you pay 70 million. So those kind of deals. Now, so those were the kind of dirty deals the tax collectors used to do. So they had a very filthy reputation. And then they oppressed, they really did oppress the, uh, the lower class. And they uh, played along to the upper class, the, the rich, the, the bourgeoisie and all of that. But Jesus, interestingly, takes the gospel to Zacchaeus' house. And don't forget how I said, talking about the imperfections of men, still hold it, the imperfections of men. That this gospel, we cannot afford to discriminate and say, this person is too bad. Because I taught last week when I spoke about when God throws a party, that God's grace is made manifest to me. Even when I'm at my worst, I can enjoy the best of God's mercy. Right? So Jesus said to me in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house. How did salvation get to the house of Zacchaeus? How? Jesus walked there. In other words, Jesus' feet. Jesus' feet. So salvation will visit houses where the feet of sent men step into. Salvation will visit people's DMs when the only thing you're asking is not, please, can you like me for like, like for like. Follow for follow. Because the only time some of y'all DM people on social media is when you've put your ultimate power post for the week. And in your mind, you're like, ah, no! 17 likes after 3 hours. God forbid. <laughs> my reputation has finally vaporized. Let me ep my PR. But Jesus slid into the DM of Zacchaeus and then went to the house of Zacchaeus and he said because he's also a son of Abraham, verse 10, let's read verse 10 together, loud and clear, verse 10 what does it say? For the son of man has come to seek and to save so why don't we share this gift of salvation? Why do we struggle? Let me give you a couple of lists there are all kinds of statistics I could read and you can check some of them online. Evangelism in many areas is on the decline. More people have gotten into technical discussion of doctrinal issues in our generation than they have devoted themselves to sharing the goodness of the gospel. But can I tell you something? Doctrine is extremely great, very important. It is crucial. 
But many times, doctrines are so contextual that whenever you make the doctrine the cardinal discussion, you eventually veer off the full picture. So, for example, the doctrine of salvation, when people say, you must be born again, must be born again, must be born again. Do you know what the Bible actually teaches about the gospel of salvation? The gospel of salvation is to introduce you into the conscious awareness of the gospel of the kingdom. Because it said, except the man be born again, he cannot even see the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what we see in what Paul, what God says to Paul about inheritance. It says to turn them from the power of darkness, release them from the power of the devil, uh, turn their eyes from blindness, and it says that they may now receive forgiveness of sins and what? An inheritance or their kingdom portion. Are you seeing that? So we must simplify our responsibilities in our walk with God and one of the things that we must do is to become obsessive about soul winning. Please beat your chest and say, damn it Lola, you will win souls this week. Say it until you hear it. Say it until you believe it. Media team, I can't hear you saying, I can't see you beating your chest. I can't see you all. You're not exempted. Say, I will win souls this week. Damn it, pen. Precious. Iyanu. I will win souls. Say, dun dun. Darren. Nora. Say, I will win souls. So why don't we share a couple of reasons? Number one, we don't share because of ignorance. And the ignorance is on many levels. The ignorance of the importance. So for some of us, we've not heard a message like this in a long time. How many of you know, have not heard a message like this in at least six months? Raise your hand, at least six months. You've not heard a message like this in at least a year? Raise your hand. When was the last time you heard a message like this? Shout that you can remember. Pardon? It don't tell. Shout it. L in the year. Great. Last month. Great. We have to repeat it. It has to become a part of us. Many of us, we have forgotten the importance of soul winning. We are ignorant about the value of the gift we have received. The ignorance of the value of a soul. Wherein the Bible says, what does it profit a man if against the whole world that he loses his own soul? What he's saying is, for you to own anything, you need your soul to own it. So if you lose your soul, how will you even be able to hold on to what you claim you own without your soul? Because you need an active soul to lay claim of ownership. Of identity so it's actually a logical thing that there is no point you get in the whole world and you're losing your soul so ignorance we don't know how important it is we don't know how to go about it some of us how do I go about it? I'm gonna be weird I'll just walk up to and say hello are you going to hell don't go to hell I've preached to you <laughs> Sister, be born again. Your blood is not on my hands. <laughs> the end. Or worse still, weird. Bros, I don't want to talk to you, but now Jesus talk up. <laughs> Jesus said he loves you. I don't know whether it's true or not, but... <laughs> He said he loves you. He died for you. B. 
believe. Do you believe? Tell him. We don't know. Ignorance is a major part. Some of us, we know how to go about it, but we don't know our role in it. We don't know how to intercede for souls, how to labor for souls. We don't know how to carry it on our head. And it's part of my assignment to resource you and to toolkit you. Number two, because of time. Deception. And this is a very big one. Vicky, one of the deceptive lies of the enemy is my pastor will do it. I am not an evangelist. I am but an innocent usher to usher in the believers to the church. I am not a power preacher. Even though I use PowerPoint <laughs> and power banks. <laughs> right? Deception. The deception that somebody else will do it. Deception that God's got a lockdown. If he has 144,000 from the tribes of Israel who are sealed. You read that in Revelations. Ah, God already has 144,000 sealed. And then Acts 2 says that the Lord added to the church daily as many as should be saved. So God has the same figured out. He knows the exact number. Don't worry. People's eternity is stronger than my carelessness. Shall they said that I'm not indispensable. So if I don't preach, you'll raise somebody else. In fact, stones feel preach safe. The deception that somebody else will do it. Or that we have more time. I'm young. Do you know one of the statistics I read about soul winning? They said that people who are 62 years and older hardly ever preach the gospel. Now, you would think that if you are older and you feel like heaven is closed, that that would ginger you, right? It's part of the deception. People are not, you know, all that stuff that maybe somebody died suddenly and someone said, ah, I hope you got saved in the dying minutes. How many of you have thought like that before? Why do we leave things to hope where we could have taken care of them by obedience? Only Tony got that point. Dr. Yvonne is going to say, are you understanding that? Where we living it's a chance. Oh God, maybe in the final moments of Beyonce's life, she'll find out who runs the world? Jesus, who runs the world? You see that now? See that? Dollar <laughs> P, you get what I'm saying? Sire, sire, you get what I'm saying? Are you feeling what I'm saying now? But then you get it. Because many times we feel, we make it look as if we can't do anything about it. That's how, and it's a deception. And you know it's deceptive because it's so subtle, it seems harmless. I came out of my recess this morning to drive this importance. How important it is. Because, see, when it comes to the soul winning, let's not even go on any break. Do you know why? People die every second. And question is, what is the eternal destiny of the soul? Or are we hoping that there's an emergency angel that gives people the final altar call 
just as their breath is about to expire. What? Holy! Who are thou, O death? Oh, yeah, come, come. This one, Akoro, Akoro. You are supposed to be dead officially. But before you go to heaven or hell, this is your last chance. This is the secret gospel. Uncle uh, couldn't call. Because there's some people who believe in purgatory, but the Bible doesn't teach purgatory. This Bible does not teach purgatory. Purgatory is a place where you go through the final purging sensation. That God will now give you final bleach that is stronger than the blood of Jesus. It doesn't exist in the Bible. It's an idealistic imagination. Number three, we make assumptions. Now, part of the deception that we also have is that everybody is saved. B.A. Are you born again? Ah, of course. I have my B.A. Born again. I go to church. Jesus baby. Jesus baby girl. Sponsored by Grace. Small girl. Big God. Child of Grace. Number three is that we make assumptions. And let me tell you some of the assumptions. One of the assumptions that we make is that we, we make assumptions that it's too hard. How many of you ever assumed that soul winning, Jason? How many of you ever assumed that soul winning is too hard? Raise your hand. Just feel his walk. He's a, ah, oh. We'll be talking, talking, talking. We're now, ah, oh. But it's an assumption. Because the Bible says that you have entered into the labors of others. What you don't know many times is that that person God is nudging you to speak to is already on the third paragraph of the salvation conversation. And your own question, request to pray with them, manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, or the simple presentation of your last testimony or your salvation story becomes the drop of what that causes the cup to run over. But there you are overanalyzing, oversynthesizing, overcomplicating, and you're hyperventilating, sweating when Jesus already shed his blood. Jesus just said, go and share the good news. You are not able to save, but Christ is able to save them to the uttermost but he has chosen the instrumentality of the foolishness of the gospel that some might hear and that the faith of God might be impacted upon their hearts and the operation of the Holy Spirit will regenerate them if somebody's hearing the voice of God this morning can you high five yourself and say damn it preach dammy preach preach we think it's too complicated and it's supposed to be easier, non so. Supposed to be easier. When Jesus was putting Mary away on Wednesday, I saw non so saying, Yeah, correct guy, send her away. <laughs> non so, not so. We make assumptions. We make assumptions. But listen to this. Supposed to be easier now. Supposed to be simple now. I'm a cardinal as a maker. Because the people through whom God brought the Bible didn't have the Bible. 
Oh, some of y'all didn't get what I just said. Let me say louder for those who are online. I said the people through whom we receive the Bible, they did not have the Bible. Yet the Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. With what text? With what microphone? With what concordance? How did Paul disciple churches and nations without a WhatsApp group? How? Did he go from Lystra to Iconium to Debbie? How did he go from Galatia to Corinth? How did he go from Smyrna to Lystra? How did he do that when he didn't have the tools of the trade? And some of us have complicated this thing to the point where we allow the things that ought to make our work easier even harder. Because we assume that we need things that we don't. I need to go to theological ceremony. I need to go to zoological garden. So I can disciple the beast in Ephesus. <laughs> Number four. Why don't we preach? Why don't we share? Number three actually. Number four really. Number four. Self. Let's be honest. I've been there before. In fact, I think it's even still happened to me this year, this year or last year. God said to me, go and preach to this person. And here I was in my mind thinking, this person looks like he's not in the mood. It looks, how many of you have been there before? Simple, in fact, okay, I remember it even happened to me some months ago. I was at a supermarket, big man. It looked very, very big. It looked like he was big, big, big. Do you understand? Like the different levels of big. And it just didn't look like it was in the mood. And I mean, like, Supermarket was wearing, wearing their mask and all. I felt a prompting in my heart. And I didn't obey that prompting. I'm, I'm not proud to tell you that. But I'm not here to tell you about how perfect I am. I'm here to tell you about how much of a process all of us have to be in. And the decisions that we must make before the prompting comes. So that when the prompting comes, you're already prepared. The word says these things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So there are two levels of preparation for ministry. The things that you do and to teach. The person and the preaching. It is better to be a prepared person before you have a prepared message. Because if you're a prepared person, even when you feel like you don't have a prepared message, the Holy Spirit will move you. So sometimes what stops us is, this person is not in the mood. But see, when it comes to divine instructions, you just don't know. That could very well be their last day on earth, I'm telling you. Very well. Or, according to the prophetic calendar of their lives, them not hearing the gospel that day could set the next seven years in turmoil for them. Abortions, losses, physical violence, end up in the wrong place. No operation of the Holy Ghost in their lives so they are not guided away from an accident that could amputate them in the next year. I'm not trying to be a preacher of doom, but I hope somebody's hearing what I'm saying. So self, and self has many levels. Self-consciousness. How do I look? Did I use Roland? Do I smell good? 
For I'm not ashamed of my perfume. For it's the power of God on salvation. No. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God on salvation. How about self-deception? God, don't worry. This is my vow. If you give me a car before January 1st, 13 souls, three per tire, and one soul for the steering wheel. God, try me. Try me and see. I think it's, it must be my car. Yeah. That's, my car isn't reminding me that service should be over. Self-consciousness. I'm shy. Raise your hand. If you ever felt too shy to preach the gospel. Me. What, what will I say? Preach gospel from my, this mouth. God, do you know how many people have kissed? <laughs> God, this. Ah. God, use another mouth though. Because <laughs> because uh, mm. <laughs> this mouth, God, God, are you for real? This, uh. by the way, some of us have the blessing of only kissing one pair of lips. So, if you are of that lot. May the Lord give you the grace to maintain it. And some of you have never kissed, and that's beautiful. Keep it till you can give it to the right one. But if you have explored, dear Stevie Explorer, <laughs> you have engaged in olfactory tourism, bucal <laughs> expedition, lip-syncing of melodies. <laughs> Get on track. By the way, I'm going to give us why we must preach in second service, then tr trust the Lord to help us. Um, I'll, I'll give us about five points. And one of the reasons we must preach, let me tell you this, is a lot of your spiritual maturation is tied to soul winning. Yeah. A lot of your spiritual growth is connected to soul winning. There are certain character dimensions of your life and certain things you may not come over in terms of bad habits and all of that until you become more deliberate about soul winning. So some of us are shy because of the things that we have done. Or some of us, we have such a nasty reputation in the family and you're like, me, preaching my family. They don't respect anything about my salvation. To them, I'm not a Christian at home. That needs to change as well. Some of you, it's a hate relationship you have with your parents and all, but you need to deal with that with the love of Christ. So self number four and number five is demonic opposition. Demonic resistance. Paul said, I wanted to come to you on many occasions, but the enemy wrestled me. So, so sometimes they are actually demonic forces. This is also part of why the enemy attacks you sometimes mentally or emotionally or your health. Because it knows that if it can attack you in certain areas, your hands are too busy fighting for your life. Who knows what I'm talking about? You're too busy fighting for your life to fight for souls. Right? So there's also, and this can be territorial, it can be personal, it can be ideological, cosmic. 
It can also be territorial, which means that a territory can be attacked by hell. And one of the major things that the enemy has tried to do in 2020, which he plans to continue in 2021, is that the enemy is really trying to seize territorial spaces, physical spaces, to attack gatherings, attack things, not just church, but anything of, of structure so that they can encroach and then build policies in the minds of people and also in the culture. So part of why we don't share their demonic forces, which is where intercession comes in. All right. Let me just quickly ask you to write those five things because I know some of you might not stay for seconds. I encourage everybody to stay, but some of you might not. So five things, which I call the SWAP, S-W-A-P, SWAP. S-W-A-P. Swap. We want to swap it. But S-W-A-P, you know, I love acronyms. It's Soul Winning Action Plan. Don't forget, next Sunday, we want to have a festival of souls. Everyone here must have preached to at least two persons. At least two. It can be offline. It can be online. Some of you have great traction online. Even if you don't, your WhatsApp and there are different ways. Would you like to be saved? I might share some of them in the second service. If you're not saved or you want to get closer to God, you know, some of you use your WhatsApp for almost every other thing but the things that really matter. Eyebrow on flick. We've seen your eyebrows. We've seen all the shades that you have. We've seen your eyebrows that are yours and the ones that you bought. We've seen all of them. That tie, you tie it, you retie it, you tie and dye it. We've seen it. You wear a pattern, but are you parting the Red Sea in the salvation journey of people? No, I mean no disrespect, Chair. I love you, though. You see. So five things. Number one, make a heat list. Make a heat list. You know what a heat list is? Like a marksman. A list of names that you want to target with prayer and preaching. So you want to start with at least five names. In fact, just keep it five two, three, five. I want you to do five. You know. Make a hit list. Five people whose salvation you will be praying for from today. That's number one. Five names. They could be in Canada. They could be in Germany. If you have family members that are not saved, please put their names on their friends. Just start with prayer. Number two. Pray for a burden for souls and for souls. Simple five minutes per day so set it 12 to 1205 1 to 1 let's just start with the simple things let's not complain is this helping somebody let's not come i'm not asking you to go and bring 500 souls hey sister yvonne i see in the spirit of my flesh 500 souls are attacked to you in the next 13 days calm down pastor pastor you you haven't won 500 souls since you started your ministry 15 years ago don't put the labor in them. Well, let's start with five minutes from tomorrow. Five. You will see within three to five days something shifts in your consciousness. Your flesh begins to die. Your selfishness quotient will begin to die. Your worldview will be elevated. You begin to see more of eternity. The miraculous will become more natural. Words of knowledge will flow more freely because the gifts of the Spirit are given for these things. Not just for, you understand that now. So number one, make those five names. Some of you are not writing. You see, if you're not writing right now, you're already missing it. You have to be writing now. 
Because see, if you can't write in my presence, you will not do anything in my absence. Are you saying that now? It's simple. Pray five minutes. I'm not, don't pray 30 minutes. Pray five minutes. But I can almost assure you, Doc, after the first three, five days, you do this faithfully, by the feet that you're not checking the time, you've gone seven minutes, you've gone 10 minutes. But let's start with five minutes a day. 12 to 12.05, 6 to 6.05, 3 to 3.05. Some of you already keep some of the watches. Five minutes, I'm praying. You call them by name. Number three, intentionally deepen your love in the three dimensions of interface. What are the three dimensions of interface in a love with kings who taught you? We ought not to love in word alone, but also in deed and in thoughts, right? So the three dimensions, thoughts, your thought life, the words, and your actions. So intentionally do love-based things because the fuel for evangelism is love. So you must cultivate that. John, are you writing? I'm on your matter this morning. You must cultivate that. You must galvanize that. So do something loving. Think something. Be more loving in your words. Number three. Number four. Plan it into your schedule. So choose an hour this week. That this hour for this week, and you must do it today. In other words, when we're doing the review for tonight, whoever is facilitating the review this evening should remind us of this. And particularly, have you chosen your soul winning hour for this week? At least one hour. And what that soul winning hour is, you're either going to use WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Do a thread on salvation. Sometimes I do carousels like that on, on Instagram. Sometimes I, you'll be shocked. Almost every time I do a, a call, a soul winning evangelism thing on Instagram, I get somewhere between 10 and 12 respondents over the next 48 hours. God has given us those tools. Some of you, you want to go full old school, and I think more of us should still do the old school stuff. You're waiting by the bus station or before your boat arrives, or one thing I, I used to love doing when I was in London, every taxi ride was, not every, oh God, I don't lie. Many taxi rides, <laughs> many taxi rides were salvation come with, because you're stuck with me for 15, 20, 30 minutes, so you can't chase me down now. Train ride, I've seen a woman blush, change, because I started speaking about salvation, changed. The operation of the gifts of the Spirit in my life went to another level because of that. And today when I still minister to people personally over the phone in counseling, the words of knowledge flow so naturally. If we had time, we would have done something now, but we'll possibly do it in the second service. If you want to see a heightened manifestation of spiritual gifts, commit yourself to spiritual purposes. Number, number four, plan it into your schedule. Choose an hour this week. And by an hour, it doesn't have to be a full hour but all you know we are doing that hour is I'm walking down the street, get a partner if you have to Uber, Bolt in fact sometimes take a Bolt nowhere do you understand? some of you take Bolt, you go, go, Bolt, Bolt, Bolt where are the nuts? where are the seeds? <laughs> because the Bible says the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life you see that now. Number five. This one is connected to number four, but it is set a time to share within the next 48 hours. Set a time to share. 
within the next 40 so whether you go and do your hour of preaching later in the week by hour again i'm not saying you spend a whole hour because sometimes the holy ghost just needs five minutes or 10 or 15 minutes by the way never feel you have failed just because nobody committed after you shared because some people need three interfaces five seven right so why 48 hours because many of us life is so busy that if not for the review even do sunday evening some of us have already forgotten many things that we learn in the morning except those who are very studious and diligent who are who write or who revisit their notes because you know the birds of the air they come and they pick the seeds you see them now so between now and tuesday 10 12 a.m you must have shared and when you share share that you have shared come on just post on the you have a testimony this week put it on the group hey guys i just shared the gospel i want us to end with that joy because the bible says that there is great rejoicing in heaven when one soul gets saved that's when god throws a party great for the cars that we've bought this year great for the accommodation we moved into great for this and the other right and the number six is just expect divine opportunities sometimes god just say go and pray with that person pay for that person's lacassera this also lacassera give that person a ride don't take them on a ride give them a ride all right can we just anybody got something valuable this morning did you receive clear instructions claire did you receive revelation and wisdom and knowledge let's stand as we close but let's pray real quick say lord i will share this gift i will share this gift receive grace just receive it receive it receive it receive it receive grace I feel the glory of God all over the room right now he's here right now he's all over the room he's closer to us than we could ever imagine he's closer to us as we rest as we reflect as we review we'll also relaunch and one of the things I just want God to do, if God allows me, I'll still stay on this next week if he allows me or instructs me. Some of you might travel, we're aware of that, but please, if you do travel, ensure that you come back in good time for the crossover service on the 31st. If you don't have to travel in this season, please don't travel in this season. This is not a time to be up and about. This is a time to be still. But if you have to travel, the blessing and the peace of the Lord preserves you. Lord, we'll receive your mercy. We'll receive the burden for salvation. We'll receive the burden for souls. We will no longer play around this. We will no longer gloss over this. We will no longer be ignorant about it. We will no longer allow the deception of the enemy and the demonic distraction that pervades our generation to rob us of the pleasure of sharing the good news. We will share the good news, God. We will proclaim your gospel your truth 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Lord, I pray for everyone who's making a commitment. Can you raise your right hand and say, Oh Lord, raise your right hand and say, Oh Lord, I make a commitment to share this gift of salvation. Say it with meaning. Say, Oh Lord, I respond to this message to share your message. I respond to this call to be a carrier of the good news. Thank you for grace is multiplied unto me. Peace is multiplied unto me. Salvation will come into the houses of many because I will yield. I yield to the influence of your spirit. I yield to the operation of your glory. I yield to the manifestation of your power. Thank you because I will see healing miracles as I preach the gospel. I will see addictions broken over people's lives as I preach the gospel. I will enjoy greater manifestations of peace as I preach the gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ, this house is a soul winning house. Say we are a soul winning house. We're a soul winning house. We're winning souls. We're bringing a harvest of plenty. In the name of Jesus, somebody give God praise this morning. The generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this grown community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.